0: Good evening, West Houston Christian Center. This is Pastor Jack C coming to you live from the sanctuary of West Houston Christian Center on this beautiful Tuesday evening. And uh, here to preach, teach, share the word with us tonight. Uh, You know, our midweek service has always just been such a staple at West Houston Christian Center. And uh, we want you to know that we miss it as much as you do. Uh, We love the worship and the fellowship and uh, the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to move and uh, we are believing and trending and moving in those directions, and uh, but we want you to know that we miss it just as much as you do. Well, I want to continue on my topic of love, and uh, I know I've been talking about it a lot, and uh, I want to kind of first just give you a verse to tell you why uh, I think that we've been teaching so much on faith and love. Uh, if you'll go with me to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation... Um, In chapter two, and when you get into Revelation chapter two, you're getting into these churches uh, that um, Jesus was speaking about. And these were actual live churches at that time. And Jesus had some good things to say about these churches. He had some uh, constructive criticism to say about these churches. Uh, He had some rewards for these churches and he also had some correction. And uh, so each one of these churches was being graded by a specific criteria. And uh, when we get into this church in Revelation chapter 2, verse 19, these are the words of the Son of God who has eyes that flash like a flame of fire and whose feet glow like bright and burnished and white-hot bronze. I know your record and what you're doing, your love and and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your, your, your recent works are more numerous and greater than your first ones. So obviously, what Jesus was doing, the criteria that he was looking for in this church and what they were being graded on, if this was a test, was number one, I know your record and what you're doing. See, Jesus knows what we're doing. Jesus knows what we're doing at West Houston Christian Center, and Jesus is not going to judge us on what we think he should judge us on. He has a very specific criteria in what his churches should be producing. Let's look at it this way. If Jesus uh, had a business called Jesus and Sons, and he sold franchises all over the world, which means Different people came and purchased a license. They had the right to reproduce Jesus's Jesus and Sons. And so we put those franchises all over the world. Well, in order for us to maintain the same standard, there has to be some uniformity across all lines, which means if I go into a Jesus and Sons in Houston, it should be just like a Jesus and Sons in Denver, Colorado. If I go to a Jesus and Sons in New York, it should be just like the one I go to in Los Angeles because it's the same owner, same proprietor, same rule, same guidelines, same product, same everything. So these specific guidelines, Jesus was judging or was confirming this church. And it says, I know your record and what you're doing. Remember that, he knows what we're doing. Your love and faith, and service, and patient endurance, and that your recent works are more numerous and greater than your first ones. Amen? Why do we preach on faith? Why do we preach on love? Why do we preach on faith, um, patience? Why do we preach so much on endurance? Because these are the things that we are going to be graded on as a church body. I would have, uh, I would hate to gone through my whole life as a pastor of a church, thinking that I was preparing a congregation for something that I thought that they needed. But in reality, Jesus had a whole different set of criteria of what was supposed to be preached and what was supposed to be taught. They have to remember that faith and love are eternal things. They are in the unseen. And we're to pay more attention to the unseen realm than we are to the seen realm. And so when we're talking about faith, when we're talking about love, those two things together are the, is the most powerful combination as a believer that I can walk in. When I am energized by faith, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, and I am motivated by love, that means I have produced the most perfect atmosphere for my faith to grow. When I go back and I make sure, and I have to check myself, Lord, what, what's my agenda? Whenever I am doing something, what's my motive? Is my motive to get something back? For myself, or is my motive to get something to somebody else? If my if I'm motivated by love, then now I've got this really high oxygen atmosphere, so that when I'm energized by faith, which means an effectual faith, a faith that is not really just a faith that 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 listens, but it's a faith that does. It's a doing faith. It's a it's a it's a powerful faith. Um, so when I put those two together, I am producing. Uh, two of the most powerful spiritual forces coming together and pulling from the unseen into the seen realm, whatever it is that I'm believing for. Amen? We talked about this on Sunday last week, but when there's a few times in the Bible where Jesus said someone had great faith. Each time that Jesus said someone had great faith, and that was the centurion, and that was the Syrophoenician woman, these were two times where someone came to Jesus, remember, and these were also Gentiles, people that were outside of the covenant, that came to Jesus, but they didn't come to Jesus on behalf of themselves. They came to Jesus on behalf of someone else. When I am motivated by love to come to Jesus on behalf of someone else, my faith is going to be energized. And just like you saw these two people, both the Syrophoenician woman's daughter was healed And so is the centurion's servant. They were both healed. So when I am motivated by love and energized by faith, there's nothing that we can't do in the Spirit. Amen? And now I know that I'm exactly right in the will of God. I don't have to wonder, well, if what I'm believing for, is it your will, Heavenly Father? No, no. When I am energized by faith and motivated by love, then I am smack dab in the middle of His will. Amen? Let's look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. And this is writing to the church at Ephesus. This was the first church that he wrote to. Matter of fact, let's just go up and go to verse 1. To the angel, the messenger of the assembly, church, in Ephesus, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars, which are the messengers of the seven churches in his right hand who goes about among the seven golden lampstands, which are the seven churches. I know your industry and activities, laborious toil and trouble, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot tolerate wicked men and have tested and critically appraised those who call themselves apostles, special messengers of Christ, and yet are not, and have found them to be imposters and liars." I know that you are enduring patiently and are bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not fainted or become exhausted or grown weary. If we were just to stop right there, you would think, man, this is a great church. I mean, Jesus really, really likes this church. I mean, they are actually doing the works. I mean, they, are, they have discernment. You know, they, they have power. They have patience. They have endurance. I want to be a part of this church. Until you get to verse 4, but I have this one charge to make against you, that you have left, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. You have deserted me, your first love." And that just kind of pierces each one to our hearts, that Jesus came to this church. He complimented them on all the good things that they were doing. They were patient, they were enduring, they were discerning, Uh, they were still coming together They were doing what they knew to do. There were so many good things, but all of a sudden, they had left their first love. That word left uh, simply means to send away, to release, to discharge. Something happened in this church in the midst of all that they were doing, all the labors that they were doing, all the works that they were doing. Somehow in the midst of this church body, they had let go the first thing, and that first thing is love. And and to me, that just became such a revelation even here at West Houston Christian Center. Anything that we do for God, anything that we do in church, anything that we do in the name uh, of Christianity, it has to be done in the name of love. I, I think each one of us can think back to that moment when we got born again. And um, it, it's been a while for me, but I do know that when that love flooded my heart for the very first time, um, I acted differently. Uh, I saw things differently. Um, I talked differently. Uh, it, it's kind of like we can, we can align it to a, like when I met Michelle for the very first time. I was just going along my own life and uh, I knew that I was gonna get married uh, at some point, And then all of a sudden I saw Michelle And when Michelle and I sat down together for the very first time when we met, we have never been apart since that day. We fell in love. We could not do anything unless we were together. Uh, We talked together, we drove together, uh, we did everything together. Uh, We went to the gym together, we went to the store together. There was scarcely a time in the midst of our courtship and our dating up to our marriage that we were not together. We could not bear to be apart from one another. We talked, we laughed, we ministered together, went to the grocery store together. Uh, We could tell you story after story of being two Bible school students in Fort Worth, Texas with no money. And uh, our big Friday night, uh, if we had it, if we could scrape together $12 was to maybe go to CeCe's Pizza And then if there was a dollar movie that was safe to see and that was a big Friday night for us. But you know what, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what we were eating. It didn't matter what we were watching. The key thing was is that we were together, we were in love. Now we have to continually work on that love throughout our marriage. We can live in the same house together. We can eat the same food, wash the same clothes, have the same goal, same vision, raise children. But you know, if we don't go back and work on that first love, that dating portion, that part, that, that first thing that happened. And I, and I think that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying is, yeah, man, when we first got together, we loved each other. Everything you did, you couldn't wait to be in my presence. You couldn't wait to come into my house. You couldn't wait to do all these things. You were motivated by love. Love was the reason we were doing everything but somewhere along the road, something happened. And we took our emphasis off of the love and we put it on the works. We took our emphasis off the relationship and now all of a sudden, this has turned into more of a religion. Instead of now being motivated and doing everything that I do by love, now I'm doing it because I have to or I felt compelled to do it or it's because we've always done it this way. And so what Jesus was telling this church was, is you got to get back and do the first works. I think that would be one of the worst indictments to get to heaven and to find out that we lost our candlestick, that we lost our light. The church will go on, but you'll just go on without a light. I don't want to be that church. I don't want to get to heaven and say, have Jesus say, well, Jack, there was no love. So, therefore, I had to take your candlestick out. You still continued as a church and you were there for years and you did some good things. But see, what I want is I want love to be the motivation for everything that we're doing. Amen. John 10, verse 34 it says, A new commandment I give you so that you love one another. Amen. We have to remember this. This was the commandment that Jesus gave us. And this is in John chapter 13. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And I know we've discussed this before, but Jesus was setting himself as the new standard for love. Before, I believe that we tried to love God to the best of our ability with all our heart, whatever. But then all of a sudden, Jesus came along. And instead of just this ethereal love, this ambiguous love, He actually showed us what love truly is and what love truly was. And now all of a sudden I'm getting into this servant-like, this selfish, selfless kind of love. And he was setting this as this new standard for us as a Christian. Amen. The kind of love that I should be walking in is that agape love. There should be a love that's a tangible love between myself and God. But here's the kicker it also has to be demonstrated between one another. It's very, very, very hard for me to say that I love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, but yet I hate my neighbor. It, it's very, very hard to say that I love God uh, and I'll do anything for him, but yet I refuse to lift a hand to ever help anybody. And we're gonna kinda get into how do we rekindle, how do we restart this kind of a love because there is a way to do it. but how do we fix, I wrote down, how do we fix our little problem, amen? There's a church here in Ephesus and it's got a little problem. And the little problem is, is that Jesus has come, he's measured them and they've come up wanting in an area specifically where it comes to the key central part of our Christian walk and that's our love. So he tells them how to fix it. And I'm so glad that there's a Revelation chapter 2, 5. So here's Jesus telling them how to fix their little problem. He says, "Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent." So, two times in that verse it says repent. So the first thing that I want to do if I if I'm know that I'm not walking the love walk that I'm supposed to? And and how do we know if we're not walking in the love walk and those types of things? For me personally, I know that all of a sudden, um, sarcasm takes the place of love. I now know all of a sudden I've become more critical. I'm more judgmental. I'll hide it and make it sound like I'm joking or being funny or whatever. But in reality, I'm being cutting. There's no love in what I'm saying. Amen? Amen. Love is something that actually overcomes and and overtakes every part of our being. It's love that makes us and helps us stay in difficult relationships with kindness. Amen, it's love. If I don't have love, like it says in 1 Corinthians 13, I become like a banging cymbal or clanging brass. So uh, what I want is I want love to be the, uh, I want to be a comfort and a joy to everybody that I'm around. And the only way that that's gonna happen is if I am walking in love. So the first thing he tells us to do in that verse two times, he says is you have to repent. I have to take responsibility for not walking the love walk like I'm supposed to. And just as a refresher, repent says it two times. Repent uh, basically means a decision that results in a change of mind which in turn leads to a change of purpose and of action. I'll read that again. It's a decision that results in a change of mind, which in turn leads to a change of purpose and of action. When I say, Lord, that I repent, I'm not saying, Lord, I'm sorry. When I say I'm sorry, all I'm doing is setting myself up to do it again, whatever it is that I just did. Saying I'm sorry is not really taking full responsibility for my actions. When the word says repent, what it's saying is, is you need to change the way that you think about this situation. When Jesus told them in Acts to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, he was telling them for you to understand who I am and where I'm coming from, you're going to have to change the way that you think from this earthly being to the spiritual being that you've become. We're going to have to think. You're going to have to change the way that you think. And when I change the way that I think, I change the way that I act. And that's what repentance is really all about. Repentance is about changing the way that I think, which in turn will begin to change the way that we act. Amen. So two times in that verse, he says, you must repent two times. So that's very, very important. Repent also means I have to change the inner man to meet God's will. A big part of love and a big part of renewing the mind is not just reading the word, uh, but it's actually doing the word and allowing the word to bring the change that we all need in our hearts and our minds and our thinking, amen. We are gonna be renewing our minds till Jesus comes, amen. We have this earthly fleshly mind and uh, when i get up when i spend time in the word when i have encounters with god when i pray in the holy spirit when i begin to act and walk out this love that i've read about when i become like jesus with this sacrificial love with this selfless love all of a sudden i will begin to change i've been meditating on love for months and months and months now first corinthians chapter 13 i mean i've been been in it in the amplified bible i read it every day it's it's on my wall because I'm endeavoring to, to, to not, um, I'm not trying to change love to fit what makes me happy. I am endeavoring to change me to make God's happy by becoming a picture of His love. Now, it has nothing to do with our feelings, amen? And this is where we get tripped up sometimes, is that we, we confess the scripture, we say the scripture, but, but I don't feel any different totally understand it. The changes you're making are so minute and they happen over such a period of time sometimes that all of a sudden it doesn't really come out in how you feel, but you'll get put into a situation and all of a sudden that love will come first. And all of a sudden you didn't react the way that you used to react. You didn't say those words that you used to say. That person that just did that to you, it didn't hurt you like it used to do. That offense that you would so easily run to, I'm not offended anymore. Well, what happened? It's because the love of God, there's a greater portion of love in my heart that I'm operating out of, which is greater than that sensual, sensuous feelings, uh, sense knowledge love that I've been raised in my whole life. So when I let the love of God come into my heart, when I truly let it change, see here's a, it's an off topic thing, but it's it's interesting. When people deal with weight loss, the first thing that they want to do after, oh, one day of dieting is get on the scale. And they want to see, how much weight have I lost? Well, the scale is really not one of the best ways to check weight loss. If you're actually on a diet, maybe now you're doing some weight training. Maybe you're running. Maybe you're lifting. You're doing push-ups. You're doing sit-ups. What's happening is, is you're now exchanging muscle that, I'm sorry, that, that fat that was there is now being replaced by muscle. Well, muscle weighs more than fat. So let's say that you now are lifting more weights and you get on that scale and you're just heartbroken. Oh my gosh, I've gained weight. That's really not the best way to judge weight loss. It's in your clothes. It's when you put that shirt on that you haven't worn in a while. All of a sudden, it fits you differently. Now you're noticing where the change is, not by what the scale is telling you, by what your clothes are telling you. It's the same thing when it comes to the love of God. We wanna get on a scale each day and say, well, do I have enough love for today? I hope I have enough. That's not how it's manifested. It's manifested when I am in the world on a regular basis interacting with people. You know, when, when you're in traffic and someone cuts you off and you don't give them the, all the things that we normally used to do. You know, you're not on the horn as fast as you used to that person that you've really dealt with offense, here's a good one. You really know that you're beginning to experience that agape kind of love when you begin to pray for those who spitefully hurt you. Instead of just taking the hurt, taking the pain, and building a case and reinforcing it and reinforcing it, now all of a sudden I'm, I have almost a sympathy or an empathy for that person and I begin to see them as Jesus sees them, and I begin to pray for them, amen? So um, I said all that to say this, we have to repent. So right here and now, if I have not been walking in the love walk, then Lord, I just humbly ask you to forgive me of my sins, and Lord, show me, show me, Lord, how to be better. Show me, Lord, um, how I can be a better example of love to the world. Now, I also like this in chapter 2, verse five, He tells me, he says, you need to, and let's look at that again. This is verse five, Revelation chapter two, verse five. Remember then from what heights you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did previously when first you knew the Lord, or else I will visit you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you change your mind and repent. It says, do the first works, amen? So, what are the first works? Okay, so I'm 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 struggling in my love walk. What do I need to do? Let's look at Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And beginning in verse 35, it says, "For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, And you brought me together with yourselves, and you welcomed and entertained and lodged me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me with help and ministering care. I was in prison, and you came to see me. Those are the first works. Let me, one of the biggest, um, I hate to, barometer, thermometer, I'm not right sure what's the right word. But one of the ways that I can tell where I am in my love walk, it is in direct proportion to my giving. Am I giving? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If I am walking in love, one of the symptoms, one of the, the fruit of walking in love is that I should be giving. When I see somebody in need, I should want to help them. And I know this is an area that I struggle with a lot sometimes too, that, the compassion side of this. Sometimes in ministry, in our Christian walk, we get sometimes jaded when it comes to helping people because there's been so many times where people have just been cons or taken advantage and you've helped people and they never say thank you. They never, they just wipe their mouth and move on. Giving has nothing to do with who we're giving to, amen. Giving has everything to do with me. And there's, a, there's a, the, the spiritual component to Christianity, but there's also a humanity component. And when he's talking about going back, repent, change the mind, but go back and do those things that you used to do. Amen. When I go out and when I feed the poor, when I give a bottle of water to someone who's thirsty, when I give of clothes, when I go visit the sick in the hospital, when I go to the prisons, Those are the ways that I am showing that I really have been touched by love. Uh, I I, I, I am endeavoring to be better in those areas. What happens is, is that we get so caught up in our own little worlds. Well, why am I gonna give to them? No one's giving to me. That's a terrible, terrible indictment as a believer. I should live to give, amen? Uh, We support West Houston Assistance Ministry, which is on this side of town, which is kind of the benevolence arm uh, in West Houston, ourselves, several other churches. We give to them on a regular basis. They have social services. They have food. They do clothing. Right now, they're feeding 75,000 people. I mean, they're just feeding people all the time, and we help support that. But, you know, that doesn't exclude me from, on a personal level, being a blessing to those that are around me. Amen? Amen. We should be looking for opportunities to show the love of God to people on a regular basis. On a regular basis. So I want to make sure that when I drive by people, if I have something to give, I need to be spirit-led in how that I do it. Amen? Some of the greatest advice I got uh, when we were in Bible school, Pastor Alan Shook, and uh, he made this statement. He says, I help everyone that God tells me to. And so that's really what it's all about is I want to be sensitive. There might be times when people are just standing right in front of you and lying to your face and God might say, bless them anyway. And there'll be other times when it doesn't make any sense at all. You'll you'll say, God, why would I want to give to that person? They look like they have everything. Yeah, you don't know the whole story. So there is a benevolence part of what we're doing as a Christian that shows the world, A, that I'm a believer, amen? If I'm gonna go someplace and I'm gonna preach the gospel, but if I can't help them with their food, if I can't help them, give them something to eat, have I really preached the gospel to them, amen? Well, be of good cheer, you know, here's a good word, but yet you're hungry, you don't have any shoes, you know, you're you're, you're sick, you're in prison and those types of things. So we are endeavoring at West Houston Christian Center um, to be a little bit more um, outreach-minded We we might not be doing individual outreaches where we're going into the apartment complexes or we're going out and doing soul winning. Those things are coming and we're excited to do them. But I can start right here, right now. I can make a decision that when I go out today, when I go have lunch, when I go to the gym, work, whatever, that I am looking for people to be a blessing to, to be an example and a demonstration of the love of God to them. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for opportunities to be Jesus in the flesh to a world who so desperately needs them. Now look, none of us have arrived in any of this. And this is why we come to church. This is why we study these things. This is why we get into the word and pray and and do all the things that we do. The church was never created to be this inclusive thing where you just came here and this was it. We're supposed to have our eyes open. We're supposed to be looking at the humanity that's around us and looking for opportunities to be a blessing. Amen. Well, there's a lot going on in our world today. Uh, I might share this again on Sunday, but um, I heard a man say that when we started um, this pandemic, and this is back in early March, uh, a man had a word from the Lord And uh, it really ministered to me what he said. He said, the way that we're gonna get through this is through humility. And I had to think about it for a second, but then it really resonated with me that uh, in the midst of all of these things that are going on in our world, that we're gonna get through it by humility. Um, There's a process that's going on in our nation right now. There's a process that's going on in some of our cities Being zealous about things isn't going to change anything. Uh, Just willing and wishing our way out of what's going on is not going to change anything. Uh, Blaming leaders and those types of things isn't going to change. Pastor Jack, when is this going to be over? It's going to be over when it's over. It's going to end when it ends. Amen? And all of my striving, all of my protesting, all of my... Willing, trying to will or wish my way out of it isn't going to change a thing, but how I do have to look at it is I have to go through it with humility, amen? I I think the world needs a little dose of humility right now from us. They need to see us as the humble servant of Jesus Christ, amen? That we're not, um, rioting isn't going to change anything. Uh, It's not going to fix anything, amen? But when people see, you know, when Paul preached in certain places, it wasn't as much as what he preached, but it was the attitude and the manner of humility in which he preached that got people's attention. They were like, there's something different about this man. The worldly logic, the worldly information, it puffs us up, makes us think we're smart. You know, I've got PhDs and MHDs and all these different letters at the end of my name, and the more knowledge I have, the more puffed up that I am. But godly wisdom is yes, in what is spoken, but it's also in the attitude. Look at our Savior, look how Jesus came into the earth. Look how He talked to people. He was a a servant. He he went and became all things to all men, amen. To a fisherman, He became a fisherman. To a shepherd, He became a shepherd. He spoke from a true place of humility and love and, and the world didn't know what to do with it. I would just dare say in the midst of what's going on right now, the world needs a little humility Uh, from all of us. Amen. Well, this is Pastor Jack C. Once again, Michelle and I, we love you very, very much. We're continuing to pray for you on a regular basis. If you have prayer requests, I encourage you to email them here to the church. They are prayed over and uh, we we continue to do that. Uh, If you're in the Houston area and uh, you're going to be here on a Sunday morning, I want to personally invite you to come and uh, enjoy a service with us at 1030 on a Sunday morning. And uh, there's plenty of space in the sanctuary. We'll make you feel safe. You'll have a great time. And uh, it's going to be amazing. Saturday nights, we have corporate prayer at 6 o'clock. And you're going to get all this in the announcements or already have. But I just want to personally invite you. Michelle and I want to personally invite you that here's one of the great ways that we can learn to give. This is one of the great ways that we can develop our love walk. And that's coming and laying down ourselves in prayer on a weekly basis for the world that's around us. Amen. Well, this is Pastor Jack C. We love you very, very much. Be blessed and Jesus is Lord.